0: Hey everybody, Andrea here. Welcome back to another episode of The Bind. It is so exciting to get to record another session. I had waited a couple of weeks to record again because I took two weeks off. I'm right at the tail end of that vacation time, so uh, I know that we're in the middle of this quarantine pandemic thing, uh, and a lot of people are getting kind of stir-crazy because of that. I cannot necessarily say that my situation is the same. I have been incredibly busy due to the coronavirus pandemic among other very big issues happening nationwide if not globally right now so instead of needing to go somewhere where I could interact and have all of these cultural experiences I just really wanted to go somewhere that was very quiet and secluded Uh, so I Went with my husband and kids and some of our best friends that we've kind of been uh, quarantining together with just so we have someone to stay connected to. And we went into the mountains and stayed in a cabin where we could just let our kids play and we could play and uh, we could get some peace and quiet from our day-to-day routines. Uh, during that time, uh, where where we stayed was in the Gatlinburg area of Tennessee. And uh, right there is the Smoky Mountain National Forest. There is beautiful hiking there if you've never been, and when you feel safe to go venture out into the world again, that's an excellent place to go if you are of the hiking sort. We happen to be that. We love adventure, we love seeing what the world has to offer, so that's what we decided to do with our time. During that time, we went hiking to a waterfall. And this is the first time that my husband and I have taken our kids on hikes into mountains. So we hike, we go camping in local national parks and stuff like that here in Indiana. And there are some beautiful places down in central and southern Indiana, but nothing like what you're going to experience if you're in, per se, Tennessee or Colorado. You know, Colorado's bigger mountains, but Tennessee's still beautiful, respectable mountains So we were working toward going to this waterfall called Laurel Falls. And I have hiked to this waterfall before with my husband. In fact, when Logan was, I think, five or six months old, we actually took a trip there and hiked to the same waterfall back then. Let me tell you something. Even though it seems like torture to have a baby in a baby carrier while you're hiking to a waterfall, I will just be the first mother in history, maybe not, to tell you that it is far easier to carry an infant in a baby carrier than to care for your toddler who is mobile and believes that they are cognitively fully aware. With my daughter Brooklyn, while we were hiking to this waterfall, what you need to know is uh, the significance of it being the mountains is that you have probably like a two, two and a half foot hiking trail, but to your left if you're hiking toward the waterfall some of what happens there is there are cliffs and while it it has shrub there but let me tell you if you make one wrong move you are falling off of that puppy and it is not going to be a pretty ending you are either going to the hospital or um more dire uh, circumstances could occur from that so of course my daughter which i know i've i've podcasted about brooklyn before she's my little wild unicorn butterfly And she loves an adventure um, and she is quick to believe and trust herself over, you know, a grown adult who might see circumstances for her that she can't necessarily see for herself. I'm sure none of you know what I'm talking about here because I'm sure the rest of you have these awesome, perfect children that just trust everything that you have to tell them as far as their safety and growth is concerned. But in my case, I don't have that luxury. I have a very autonomous three-year-old, and I love her autonomy. However, there are times when her autonomy either pushes me to the brink of psychotic response, or it just scares the crap out of me. I'm not going to lie. With this hike to the waterfall with Brooklyn, I just was a mess. I wanted her to hold my hand or at least stay right at my hip. And granted, I know, I was kind of thinking in Pollyanna circumstances about this because you all who have young children know they love to dawdle and they love to wander. I was just asking in this one particular situation that she might be able to stay right at my hip so I could keep her safe while we were going toward this really fun thing that we were going to get to see. She was having none of that. So let me tell you, I think that the hike to the waterfall is approximately one and a half miles, maybe just like slightly underneath that. And the entire time to the waterfall, I'm having to yell at her. And this is just not cool. Like I don't like yelling at my kids. I do not enjoy having to harp on them or make them cry because I'm disciplining them, especially in the midst of something that's supposed to be a fun adventure for us to get to have together. So you can only imagine that I was just beside myself and I was working my body up. So I was starting to feel just a lot of tension in my chest and my breath was getting really short. And so it was like this combination of me having a panic attack, meeting my frustration of needing my daughter to cooperate so I could keep her safe. Lo and behold, we make it to the waterfall and I'm still pretty worked up and tense because now we're in an area where there happened to be a decent crowd of people. And, you know, it's one thing to be surrounded by a lot of people. It's another thing to be surrounded by a lot of people when you're standing in a watering hole of a waterfall that is slippery. And if you were to step down Back or go too far away, there's a chance you could actually slip down to the second part of the waterfall. So that this is not like, you know, the most ideal of situations for a toddler. With my son, he's at that age now where I can give him an instruction and he's fairly compliant. That's just his nature where I'll say, hey, stay here. So that way we know you're safe and just communicate with us. Okay, mom, with my daughter, I could say it a million times and get You know, nothing for a response, except maybe sometimes she'll say, Okay, and then she'll go and do it anyways. So, I am just trying to keep my eyes on both of the kids. They're wanting to walk in the watering hole of the waterfall at Laurel Falls, and I want for them to have that adventure. It's very fun. But again, my body is still worked up, and I'm feeling very nervous, and I'm actually just wanting to get out of this place. Isn't it amazing? You know, I can think back on when I hiked to this waterfall. When Logan was a young baby. And it just felt so much more calming and it was so enjoyable. And I could stand there and I could smile. But in the transition of becoming a mom of children who are growing, I noticed that dilemma of the anxiousness I felt in my body for wanting to keep them safe and under control, and yet wanting them to get to have the adventure. And also, if I'm honest about it, feeling slightly robbed that i couldn't actually sit there and embrace something that once upon a time was so awesome and magnanimous to me now it just felt like this very uh dangerous thing that i was encountering with my family so it was like excitement meets anxiety meets regret misses meets not having regret it's amazing that we can feel so many emotions and be pulled in so many directions all at one time I wish it was unilateral but it's not it's not this unified singular thought it is uh, multifaceted and your brain is firing so rapidly that it's just getting worked up and uh, hence panic attacks and uh, responses that we're not always necessarily proud of as humans we make it back to uh, the beginning of the trail because you have to, it's not like a trail where you loop, you, you go to the waterfall and then you circle back and go from whence you came. So you'll hit the same trailhead twice. Once we got back to the cabin, we, you know, got the kids rested and we were just hanging out with our friends, Claire and Evan. And Claire says to me, I have never seen you respond that way. And Claire is fairly used to me being a very level-headed, even-keeled person. And so it was really cool. She's one of those people in my inner circle that I really trust. And she can ask me those questions. And I know that she can hold that space with me. So I don't mind going into these places with her. And I think that that's an important distinction to know is who you can go into these conversations with and who is going to try to provoke those conversations, but you don't necessarily feel safe to have them with that person. But Claire's a safe person to me. And I said to her, I was so scared. I had so much anxiety being on that. And we went into that and I explained to her everything that was happening for me in a process. And it was just really nice to get to have somebody to sit in that with me and I could explain to them, hey, this is how I was feeling at that very moment trying to do that with our children. It was so hard. And I'm glad that we did it. But it took a lot of energy for me to navigate that. So we talked about that and, um, you know, move forward. And uh, believe it or not, the next day we went and we hiked to a different waterfall in Johnson City, Tennessee, which that's just where I went to college. And so I took our group to to Johnson City and introduced them to some of the really cool, less crowded, uh, you know, natural things that we could go do and a waterfall was one of them and actually in that circumstance my husband jumped off of a 20 foot cliff into a small watering hole called the blue hole and i was not feeling nearly as anxious in that scenario as i felt when we were at the laurel falls just crowded by a lot of people and feeling not acclimated to my surroundings and not trusting the situation plus the kids had a day prior when we hiked to that other one um that they had been exposed to the situation. And so they were getting a little more attuned to the expectations of how we um, how we approach doing adventures like that, which I think made me feel more safe. Now let's fast forward to when we get back from Tennessee because we were only there for about four days. We just wanted to go get into the mountains and breathe in some mountain air. and um, And then we came back. And so we're at the lake house and the kids want to go tubing. And they're about at that age. Logan really did not tube when he was three years old. Brooklyn's three, Logan's five. I know I keep saying this, but just for context. And he didn't tube a whole lot when he was three. Every now and again, we would get him on a big tube and then his dad would probably be on the tube with him or some other adult would be on with him. And then we would move the boat really slow, but just acclimate him. Plus we didn't want his little neck to get too much trauma or anything like that. With Brooklyn, of course, she's a different child and she responds differently to situations. And so she was ready to go tubing as well. So we let both of the kids tube and I rode on the tube with them for that. Then after we tube for a little while, Logan says, I want to tube by myself. Okay, my heart starts to flutter a little bit because I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, my baby is not ready to go tubing by himself. And for those of you who don't know what tubing is, it literally is exactly what it sounds like. You hook a tube to a boat with a rope, and then you pull said tube around in circles, in our case in circles, because our lake is, you know, just a 200-acre circular lake. So that's what we do. When I got on the boat, and Logan was by himself on the tube, so I'm spotting, his dad's driving, and then his sister's sitting there on the boat, and we're going fairly fast for Logan. And I had to have this epiphany where I realized a couple of different things. Number one, I realized that, uh, my children have grown to a place where they're ready for things that my mind hadn't conceptually caught up to yet. So they were doing that. The other thing I happened to notice was my anxiety was not nearly as flared in this scenario, as it had been when we were hiking on the waterfall. And I sat there, I'm just a weird person. Like when I notice contrasts or comparisons in my life, I will sit and process and ask myself, well, what's that about? And so I sat there like, why am I not freaked out? I mean, my son is on a tube. He's not done this before. If he happens to fall off of this tube, there's a good chance he'll panic or I'll feel panic. And so I sat with that for a little while. What I think it boiled down to was my family's language is lake. We are so used to being on this lake. And if I process it a little bit more, I think back to when we got the lake house and the kids would have been, uh, actually Brooklyn wasn't born yet. And Logan would have only been about one and a half because we moved in, you know, about four years ago. So one and a half years old. And those first couple years living on the lake, I would say that my body had the same anxious response to being on the lake and wanting to keep the kids safe from drowning as it had being on the mountain and trying to hike with cliffs to the side where the kids could weevil and wobble. It really boils down to me as a mom wanting to make sure my kids are safe to the degree that I can keep them safe. Uh, meeting the reality that I have to challenge myself. For my life, I want to live life in the full. I want to feel the joy of adventure and laughter. But sometimes what comes with that is that, that tinge of anxiety that puts fear in me of, not necessarily for my own life. I think some people may fear for their own life. Occasionally I do, depending on like how crazy I get. But my wild's not, it's not too wild for an adult who's grown and has, you know, full capability with their bodies. But for my little children, uh, there's just certain things that cognitively they may not be aware of that I am and wanting to keep them safe is of high priority to me. So for the first two to three years that we lived in the lake house, I would say that I had a lot of fear and anxiety and I constantly just felt hyper vigilant and watching the kids to make sure if we were on the boat, I was sitting right there holding onto their life jackets, make sure they didn't fall out. Uh, if they were at the beach, our, our lake goes, um, beach way, not, it's not a seawall, so there's no drop off, but there's sand there. But if I took my kids, my eyes off of my kids just long enough, there was a chance that they could wade too far out and if they snuck out there and didn't have their life jackets on. I mean, I went to the nines with trying to safeguard our lake house. We had a fence around uh, getting to the water and then we would always clip the, the fence shut to where the kids, they would have to work really, really hard to get out of that sucker. That's the degree to which my anxiety was piqued then. And... Uh, Over the course of time, what I recognized as I was sitting on that boat the other night, my son's tubing, is in the way my family learned to speak the language of lake, and I was able to communicate to them the process of what it means to stay safe and to know their parameters, that was really helpful in easing my feelings of anxiety. Again, I always say this, I know I say this in pretty much every session, but there is a balancing act. Uh, if you ever read uh, Jonathan Heights The Coddling of the American Mind, he will say that uh, sometimes because of the boundaries that we put on our children, they're not learning their own boundaries and so they don't know their own sense of safety. And I do agree with him, but I also think that there's a huge difference between allowing my seven-year-old to see how long he can swim without his life jacket versus my two-year-old who doesn't know if they go too far into the water They are more than likely going to drown if there's not an adult there to get them. And we just don't want that, right? If it's between boundaries and uh, keeping my children safe, I've got to play uh, the cards there. And um, they're often going to fall in what makes me feel most comfortable for my family. So I wanted to think through with you all, process with you guys, what do you all know your own family language to be? What are some things that as you have grown and expanded, right, like our our spouses and our children, our spouses not so much, but still, right? Like if I'm a wife of a fireman or a husband of a fireman or, you know, however that, that goes, I might feel fear for the safety of my partner and I may try to like put parameters around to keep that safe. Uh, we see that in like fears people may have about like extramarital relationships, that's a different session, different day. But, you know, we can see ways that we try to keep our family unit safe with our spouse. But especially with our kids, as that extension happens in our life, we tend to become more anxious and more bogged down by this felt sense of needing to protect what is, in a sense, ours, because we want to see our kids grow and flourish. And uh, we just don't want to suffer the loss of that pain. And I think that that's what that anxiety heightens from, but we can actually learn from it. We can actually grow and learn to help heal the anxiety we feel in the immediate by identifying the languages that we've learned to speak with our family uh, through the past, through the journey we've taken with them. And that's what I'm trying to get you to notice here. I don't know that you will ever be 100% void of feeling anxious about your situations, but what I am saying is you can help to heal it and you can help to speak to it better if you can identify the ways that it has repaired or uh, leveled out over the course of your time. so for instance, that two year two to three year time span where I was busy each summer season training my kids to think wisely about their relationship with water that has helped me to feel more confident and comfortable in my scenario. In fact, a couple weeks ago, we were uh, sitting at our neighbor's house, lake house, and, um, they're literally right beside us, but their beach grades in a little bit deeper, a little bit more quickly. And our kids are acclimated to their beach. They know how far out they can go. And then what the stopping point is to turn around when they were with the neighbor kids, what they did was they waited out and the neighbor kids are older by like three or four years. So totally different. Uh, skill level as far as swimming's concerned and comfort is concerned. I look out at the water because I was getting comfortable just having a conversation with our neighbors. And I look out to see my daughter's little head bob underwater, which not going to lie that just like made my heart sink for a second, but it was, it was literally a second. So I was able to, you know, put that in my mind. She's okay. She just needs to get back to a place where she gets to the above the water. And then the same thing happened to my son So my daughter comes back inland, she catches herself, she realizes how deep it was. My son goes out, and he starts to sink too, and the cool thing for him is that he had the ISR, infant self-rescue, swim classes, and he was able to just float right up to his back and uh, get himself back to shore that way. Our daughter did not get to do her ISR classes uh, due to the coronavirus uh, shutting that stuff down, so that's the difference between the two kids there. But what's important to realize is because that water, that lake life is a language that we speak, it was able to heal my, uh, my concerns for my anxious feelings and better cope with what my family was doing while on the lake. Why is this relevant? Because what I'm saying to you is you have to check in with yourself when you want to have those life adventures. Like I don't think it's healthy per se to completely keep yourself confined to your environment that you think is absolutely safe. I do think that the body wants adventure, it wants curiosity, and it wants to learn about the world through the experiences that it has. So we shouldn't neglect that for the body. Instead, what we can do is we can learn to speak to our anxiety and go in and process. So we have what are called neural networks, and a neural network is basically... Once you have an experience, your body stores a memory just like your mind stores a memory. And you might actually feel that experience in your body. And what the body does is if you feel that experience multiple times, it links. Like, how how have I felt this way before? Oh, that was a negative experience. Okay, this is a negative experience. So what you do instead is instead of fueling that, you don't want to kindle that. You want to be curious about that. So you go into it and you say, what is this about? And you might start to realize, oh, I feel anxious about this situation. Okay, why do I feel anxious? How unsafe does this situation feel? How can I feel safe in this situation in other ways? This is exactly what we're talking about. In my situation, I would like to believe that I'm not going to stop hiking with my family. I know that this isn't true. We go camping all the time. So we're going to end up going back on more hikes and have to set boundaries and parameters with the kids. But what I can tell my neural network is, hey, it's okay. Remain calm. This is hard right now, but the more and more you're willing to practice this with your kids, if you value this, the more and more they're going to understand the boundaries that are going to keep them safe while still having an adventure and learning about the world around them, which is the ultimate goal that we want to accomplish here. For you, I want for you to learn to get in that habit of asking yourself where this feeling came from when you felt like this before and what your resilience was that helped you to heal from that. And if there is no resilience, get a little more curious and ask yourself, is this something that I actually wanted to be able to keep doing or am I completely okay not doing this? that's loaded because you might say, I'm completely okay not doing this, but it's actually fueled by your fear rather than your preference. And you should know the difference between that. No one can ever talk you into doing something that you are not okay with doing. Um, Well, I think you know what I'm saying there, but you might be talking yourself out of doing something that may actually be such a fueler of your soul, but your fear is getting in the way of that experience. And that is robbery. You should you should get to have those experiences that are life-giving and teach you more about the world around you and your own ability to accomplish. Uh, this is what fuels people into their futures. So I know that we have to get ready and wind up here for the day, but I really wanted to share that with you because a lot of people come to me with many questions about anxiety. We could have many more sessions about anxiety because I only hit the tip of the iceberg here and I know that. But start thinking for your own life, for your own family, about those situations in which you have come to understand your fears and you have also, through your fears, grown your sense of resilience in this world that gives you that more life-giving propel toward life. And also gave you a memory to link in with your family of this is something that we do. This is now a language that we speak. And it's something that you would impart to your children if you have younger children that are still with you at home that you can give that um, learning opportunity to. I hope that everybody enjoyed this session. Thank you for listening to my craziness of being a mom and we will have more to talk about on this issue cuz i just think it's important and valuable issue to discuss is what it's like to walk as a parent and navigate between wanting to have a life that is really fun and adventurous but having to learn how to counteract those feelings of anxiety that make us believe we're not safe to do certain things that we want to go out and adventure and, and experience Uh, tune into our next session. We'll have more exciting things to talk about uh, in, uh, in about a week. I hope that you all have a great week, and I look forward to seeing you or talking to you again. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll catch up soon.